Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to an early edition of Drive Through HR, the Internet's longest-running HR radio talk show. I am your host today, Crystal Miller-Lay, and I am joined with the one, the only, Jason Seiden. Thanks for joining us again, Jason. Maybe thanks for joining us again, Jason. Well, gotta love, gotta love technology, right? Let's see if we can find out what's going on with our friend Jason Seiden. To be fair, it's been an interesting call-in morning, guys. It's just, this is the way it's rolling. All right. We're calling Jason live on the show. Oh, hey, I could hear you. I was answering and everything. Awesome. I think you might have been on mute, but I am not sure. <laughs> not on my side. I'm, I'm good. So, to, uh, are we on right now? Is this live? Well, I think it's live. I don't know how well people can hear it, but it is live. So, what I'm going to do is hang up. I'm going to put you on mute, and I'm going to put you back on live and see if we can't get things rolling. All right. So I'll talk to you. <laughs> Jason. Okay. Can you hear us? Can oh, hear I still you? can. Can you hear me now? Ah, oh, we can. Excellent. All right. Thank you for having me back. We, <laughs> I, and I do notice we a continuation of the slight uh, uh, – technical difficulties that we had yesterday. So I choose to interpret this as we have, uh, we have somebody listening. If yeah, you know what I mean. I, I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> I think that's a lot better. Like it's, it's hygiene. <laughs> so um, right. thanks for joining us. Perspective changes everything. It does. It yeah. does. So for anyone that may be like, wait a minute, it's nine in the morning. It's not noon. Why is drive through on? Uh, you know, the world is a really fun place, and American Airlines and other airlines are not the only one um, in trying to manage their business model has, uh, in their infinite wisdom, rescheduled flights and canceled flights. And I think, Jason, your flight was one that was impacted, correct? Yes. Yeah, I went from having uh, hours to spare to being in the air during our uh, scheduled call. Yeah, so we're rolling with it at drive through That's what we do. Um, most of our listeners pick us up um, post-show on download, either on iTunes or Spotify. So, you know, it's probably not going to impact that many people. But if you are used to hearing us at noon and all of a sudden you get a 9 a.m. notification, that's why. We're glad you're with us. And for everybody who's listening on the download, then this little section didn't really impact you anyway. So <laughs> for, for anyone that may not have joined in yesterday, Jason, do you mind introducing yourself and just kind of Give us a quick rundown of who you are and why you want to talk to us about what's keeping you up at night. Yeah, so uh, so thank you for having me back. I'm glad I didn't scare everyone away yesterday. Uh, my name is Jason Seiden. I run a, a small agency called Brandstorm that uh, that helps organizations and teams get a, a consistent, clear story. And more importantly than that, I've, I've been in this space. I've been in the talent development uh in communication space for 20 plus years. Um, I've seen it from a variety of different angles, HR, customer success, marketing. And, um, 
you know, but always looking at the impact of communications between people and between organizations and people on our ability to uh, find meaning in work and get things done and be successful. And, and so when, um, when you called, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, well, what do we want to talk about? What I realized is for all the stuff I do every day, the biggest thing that's impacted me in my career uh, was the loss of my daughter a few years ago. And, uh, you know, and I struggle to talk about grief and other people really struggle to talk about it with me. And it's just, it's the elephant in the room. So um, given what I do, I was like, you know, kind of anything else would be like rearranging deck chairs if I didn't uh, take the opportunity to talk about this thing first. Well, we're so glad that that's you did. What here. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Well, thank you for, thank you for indulging it. I appreciate it. Sure. Well, you know, it's, it's a timely topic. Um, I, I don't, I'd love to say it's altruistic and yes, I just did it just for your sake, but, but the reality is that it's a really timely topic. Um, we have, a lot, hundreds of thousands of people in the United States alone and, and you know, millions more around the world that um, are dealing with grief from the pandemic and then loss in addition to the normal loss, normal, normal, such a weird word when we talk about loss and, and unplanned events, right? But, um, but there is a lot of grief that the world is, is sharing in right now. And so when we look at how that impacts us personally, which I think is kind of what we discussed yesterday, and then moving into how do we handle that and impact us in the workplace, it, it, it impacts the person that's grieving, obviously, but there's also a responsibility to understand like what we can do to help those around us at work, right? And I don't mean what the grieving person can do, although there is that, but there is, I think, a workplace responsibility to make it safe for, you know, I've kind of coined, coined it the walking wounded, but... <laughs> But, but those who are having to continue to function while trying to process trauma. Yeah, for sure. So um, it's helpful. You know, it's, it's yeah, and it, you know, it, it's kind of, it's surreal that, it, that using the word normal would feel weird talking about this because this is universal. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like, uh, this is the one life cycle event that you that none of us can avoid you know like you don't you don't have to have kids you don't have to get married you don't have like all those other milestones you don't have to do but literally everybody will have to deal with grief and so um there's there's nothing more normal than that and uh you know and, and it would be helpful to to normalize it um and it's uh yeah i think you you said the magic words it's like how do we how do we make it safe because I think that's the key. Yeah, and I think there's a lot out there. I was looking yesterday to kind of see, like, what what literature is there, you know, what's out there for um, making grief safe, like creating psychological safety at work um, for, for people who are grieving. And there's lots of things for specific person who's dealing with grief. There's less. There's a lot less. Um, around how the other people around the person dealing with grief can help and make things easier. And, you know, for our audience who is largely HR professionals and leadership, um, you know, that can be really difficult. So, so I do think one of the things that we can talk about is kind of like creating a grief guide. And, and that's, 
I, <laughs> it sounds a little silly. You know, we're going to have a great guide, but, um, but I think creating workflows in my life, I found, and, and with my clients and, and throughout the course of my career, I found workflows have really helped. And so even if it's just a very um, loose and informal workflow or guide of like, here's things that you can do, um, and here's things that you probably should not do, <laughs> you know, that don't fit well mm-hmm. into the workflow, uh, that might be a useful place to start. So like, what would that, in your opinion, like what, what should be included if you were, if you were counseling a company um, or just people in general, what would be in your grief guide? Um, wow. What a great, what a great question. That um, I gave you no um, preparation for. I know, I know. Well, it's okay. It's right. I, I know how to, I know how to like take a moment while I'm, you know, I, I know how to use banter to give myself a, a moment to connect, collect, collect my thoughts. Um, you know, so let me, let me just, let me start. Like, I'm, I'm a guy who's lived this, so I'm, I'm a focus group of one, right? And, and, um, uh, and I, I, I've experienced this. I've, I've certainly, you know, read and been through a lot of these processes, and um, I just, you know, if folks are listening. And I say something that anybody finds remotely interesting. I just want to make sure it's the start of their research journey and not, you know, the, you know, the, the, the thing that's like, oh, Simon said that. Let's go do that, right? It's, there's, there's way more to this. Um, but what would, be, what would be in the, the workflows? What would I recommend? What kind of steps would be in there? Um, yeah. So, you yeah. Pre- you know, I think <laughs> the the thing that I would most appreciate is thoughtfulness, but it's hard to put that on a workflow. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, fair. Be thoughtful. So, done. Right. So, but there's a few things that you can do to make sure that you're being thoughtful, and those things can go on a workflow. So, one thing I would say is, um, it's really important to do a check-in, and uh, it was important for me that when, when people would do check-ins and the check-ins that mattered followed a particular pattern. Um, there's a lot of people, I think, you know, if we went back in time and we interviewed a lot of the people who I interacted with, the majority of them would tell you, Oh yeah, I checked in with them. And I would tell you, no, they didn't. <laughs> um, because there are things that people do, like the way in which matters, there's things that people do during a check-in that negate its power. So if you're going to go through the trouble to check in with somebody, make it count, right? And here's, here's the, the whole list of things that um, make a check-in matter. Uh, have it stand alone. Have no other agenda. Do not allow the conversation to flow to literally anything else unless, unless the person grieving pulls it in that direction. Um, but then if it gets to work, if it gets any kind of things to do things, to do lists, anything like that, you politely bow out and you end the conversation. And you say, you know what, totally hear it. I'm glad you're in that state of mind for work. That's a separate call. I just wanted to find out how you're doing today. And you, and you check. If you, yeah, and that's the sum total of things that make a, yeah. Sorry, Crystal, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no, no. I, I did not. Sorry. You breathed. And I was like, oh, he's done. You're not. Keep going. Oh, yeah. wait. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that's it. Um, the check-ins, they, they just have to stand alone. Uh, 
and it's and this it's really important i just want to um, uh, i want to reiterate that putting a check-in at the top of a team call doing a check-in publicly in front of people um, doing a check-in when you run into somebody in the hallway uh, well actually i'm going to take that last one out doing a check-in publicly it doesn't count because the person's now on a stage and they're going to smile at you and they're going to give you the appropriate answer that doesn't uh, you know, bring the group down. Right. And it's like if you do when it, the, it's like when the, um, when you're in a restaurant and I love it, like they wait, I swear they wait until you put food in your mouth to come by and say, how's everything? Like, mm, yeah. Right. Yeah, like it could yeah, be, but you can't say that. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's for sure. Right. So uh, the team gets together, manager says, Hey, before we start, Jason, how you doing? There's only one answer. It's yeah, I'm great. Let's go. Um, you know, similarly, if you ha- if you need something, and you will, if you need something from somebody who's grieving, and you're like, hey, um, listen, I call, I need something from you, but before I do that, like, how you doing? Um, that that doesn't count. Um, if you run into somebody in the hall, uh, you know, which obviously, you know, post COVID, maybe that's happening less, but you see somebody in a Zoom. I think it's, I think it is okay. You know, like it's okay to like see the person, be reminded of what they're dealing with and, and ask about them, but then circle back. If that's the only time you do it, that doesn't count. The check-ins yeah. that really mattered are check-ins that were intentional and they were away from everything else. That demonstrates thoughtfulness and it demonstrates uh, singularity of focus uh, because otherwise what happens if you check in on the top of the, you know, at the top of a call where you have another agenda what it sounds like is you're being selfish. You don't, you don't want to waste my time by bringing something to me when I'm not in the place to receive it. And that's fine. It's totally fine. Like you should do that, but that's not a check-in about me. Right. That's a check the box. Right. So, so that can do that. The that's box. a workflow. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I said, so check in, don't check the box. Yeah. Check in. Now, there's a corollary to that, which is uh, put a calendar together and, you know, like, I don't care. If you, like, if you think that it might feel fake, if you're checking in every three weeks with the same text, don't worry about it. Like, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I had some people who were like clockwork once a month, once every other month, once every few weeks. You know, I, I knew I was going to hear from them. And it, uh, it was great they became my, my secret accountability partner sometimes, you know, like it, I'd be getting late in the month and I'd be kind of hurting on something. I'm like, you know what? Brian's going to be calling me. Uh, boy, I do not want to, like, I just gave him bad news, two calls in a row. Like I, I really want to give him something better. And, you know, and that's the conversation that I'm having in my head, but I'm having it in my head because I know Brian's going to call me at the end of the month. Like I know I've got three days to get my shit together. You know, and I'm, and what's right, like I'm kind of secretly afraid, like I'm so happy that he's checking in, but I'm also afraid I'm going to lose this friend if I keep bringing him the same bad news over and over again. And so, um, you know, so you can set a calendar and, you know, over the course of six months, make six, eight, ten calls or send a handful of texts or just, uh, and, they, and they, they don't all have to be like, how you doing? It can be, saw this thought of you. Uh, here's a meme that my racist grandmother just sent around the family. Can you believe that happened? And boy, I can't wait to like fuck the trend and not turn into a racist old codger when I get older. Like, even <laughs> it literally doesn't matter. 
as long as you're just one-on-one with the person and sending something a little thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really a, a good idea. And if you're looking at it in terms of an entire team or in a workforce, you know, there's no reason that that calendar can't be, you know, shared. You can you can team up with fellow employees and say, like, okay, we don't want to bombard by doing it on the same day. I got Tuesday. You got Thursday. You got next week. Like, there, there's nothing wrong with totally. that. No, but not I, only is there nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great idea. You know what else is a great idea? Compare notes. You know, like, go have your secret team group that doesn't include me. You know, so, Crystal, you call me today, and I say, um, you know, had a, had a rough had a rough go. Um, I am having an insurance problem, or you know, um, you know, the my ex and I are approaching something differently, and it's just creating a headache for something else. It's totally okay as long as it's done tactfully, and you know, and as long as I'm not revealing something, um, you know, uh, personal, right? But if it's a struggle, it's something I'm dealing with, and I share that with you, and then Dwayne were to call me and said. Hey, Jace, listen, uh, Crystal said you were dealing with this. I got a guy who can help you. Do you want a phone number? Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. So share the load and then share information so that, you know, maybe if, if one person hears something, they then share that with the group. Somebody else might know how to solve that problem or alleviate that stress. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where from, a, from an EV perspective, so, I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm a giant EVRM nerd. But, uh, but from an employer brand perspective, we talk a lot about culture and caring and we're like a family and like this is where you put your money where your mouth is, right? And so if you're uh, like a family, families talk, <laughs> families help. Yeah. So, so you check in and what comes out of that, I would hope, like you don't have to say, okay, at three minutes into the call, he said this and five minutes into the call, he said that or whatever, but like the overall notes like you're talking about of like, hey, there's an insurance issue going on. There's a little distress with the ex-wife or the current spouse or whatever. Like grief, grief breeds tension, right? There's so many what, pieces what, to yeah. it. Yeah. So, well, so being what's able- going through? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're, so you're, you're actually, you're raising a couple of, of key points. Um, and I'm sorry to jump in. I'm just, you know, no, I have a certain level of passion on the subject. You know, the, the meal trains are a great example of an easy thing that a lot of companies do really well right off the bat. And they're well-coordinated, and they're there, and fantastic. And I don't have to think about food in a 30 days, boom, done. But easy one, the truth is uh, grief does breed tension, and there's going to be other things that the person grieving needs. It's not just food for the first 30 days. Right. And, like right, and it's, yeah. So, There's yeah, but the only way you're going to find out what I need is all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I yeah. think to your point, like, when we're, I'm sorry, I'm kind of talking over you today. <laughs> the same time. No, you're, you're passionate about it, too. No, I think it's, yeah, bring it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm passionate about the idea of companies putting their money where their mouth is, right? Like, it's really easy to say, and everybody does it. My God, everybody does it. We're, we have a team that's like a family. Okay, well, families are there for each other. So it doesn't have to be this like organizational wide thing, but your, your company leaders have to set a tone for everyone else. Right. So that looks like them caring for, you know, executive levels and 
executive levels caring for their reports, and then their reports, it trickles down. Everything trickles down in life, I feel. But, um, and probably works its way back up. But, you know, if you're, if you're looking at all of the things that, get, that come up associated with it, like things that you don't think about, like 401k implications, right? So um, let's, let's flip it to a dynamic that a lot of us are about to experience unfortunately, but, you know, our parents are in the boomer generation for, for many of us listening. Right. Um, and, and they're dying and they're going to continue to die. And they probably aren't going to die at the exact same time, unless they're in the car with me. And has told me that we're definitely dying together in a car accident that I'm behind the wheel of. So that's fun. And, and McCall, but, but assuming, yeah. Yeah, right. Assuming something like that doesn't happen to your parents, what happens is one of them goes first and the other one is left with some serious financial implications, usually, because there's so mm-hmm. much of this we don't think about because it's not normalized. So, you know, being able to, even if it's your parents, so you're not dealing with them directly, right? Uh, the company isn't dealing with the parents directly, obviously, but you can still, from an HR perspective, go like, hey, here's some things that you may not need or maybe you do, but these things tend to come up. So if you need some connections to our EAP program, if you need to talk to our benefits broker, if you need to, like, here's some resources that we've got. If you need it, just reach out or better yet, just give them to them. Like if they don't need them, then they won't use them. So that kind of thing. Let's unpack this a little bit. There's a few things there that I would love to just, dive into a little bit, Crystal. Let's um, the, so the, so something culturally, so when we talk about employer brand and organization, uh, that for me brings another dynamic to the table. And there's some workflows here specifically for HR and specifically for leadership that only leaders and only HR can do. Uh, because when it comes to handling grief, the power differential really makes a difference. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, folks who have, have worked with me know, like, I'll, I'll, I'll roll up my sleeves, and, and I tend to get in trouble for, for breaking uh, vertical lines. Um, works great in some organizations and other organizations where the hierarchy is important. I can be a, a thorn in people's side. Uh, but when it comes to grief, if this is true, right? Like, if you're a manager of a team, well, let me put it this way. I was, I was talking before about uh, checking in with an agenda, Right and the and how it's sort of a it doesn't count. Well, if you're my peer and you call me and you're like, hey, I need something, but you know, how you doing? That's actually not as bad an offense as if my boss calls me and says, hey, how you doing? You okay? Can I go through the agenda? That's a that's a gut punch when it comes top down. And so yeah. with right, so when when you right, then. That sets the tone. That's telling me that's as good as it's ever going to get from the company. Um, you know, if my peer does it, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's my peer. Or somebody who works for me. Like, okay, right, whatever. There, it's a, it's an even conversation. When you add that power differential to it, though, things change. So there's a couple things that HR really can do to alleviate that. One thing, you know, going back to thoughtfulness. One thing is to remember that somebody who's grieving, they're. Um, uh, uh, they're not working necessarily at full capacity. It's very easy to overwhelm them. Um, the, it's kind of gross. Like any, anybody on this call who has dealt with 
the death of somebody really close to them uh, has experienced just the, the, the kind of the, I, I'm going to call it gross, the grossness of having to sign forms. You're trying to grieve. You just lost somebody really close to you, and you're taking out your credit card, and you're paying for something, and you're negotiating, and you're, like, it's just, it's kind of gross. Like, you, you, yeah. and, and the, you know, you kind of disassociate, you know, for, in order to get it done, or you dive into it because you're trying to escape the grief, whatever. But if you're going to hand somebody resources, uh, like, I don't have the brain space to figure out what's going on. Like, the last thing I want to do is go figure out, like, all right, you know what, I, I remember I saw this with the employee handbook. Um, I got a packet when uh, the 401k thing, I, yeah, I'm sure I can change things around. I don't know what the hell's going on. Do I call you? Do I call the, the company, the, the insurance company? Do I call the financial company that's holding the money? Like, ah, what? So if you're going to give resources, be thoughtful about it. And instead of just saying, hey, here's a bunch of resources, I mean, you might have to send a link over, but make the call. Call the person and say, hey, listen, uh, you've got decisions to make. I'm sure it's overwhelming. Uh, let's do this together. Let me help you. And, like, literally, you can, you can say this. Like, let me help you. There's, like, four forms that you probably will need to look at. Um, I'm happy to meet with you, happy to talk it through. Uh, I would start with, you don't ask which one you, you just say, like, I would start with this one. So you're going to get an email from the company with all these resources. Just click the top link. All right, just do that. Click the top link. It'll take you. If you spend more than 20 minutes on it, call me, right? If, if it takes you more than 20 minutes, something's gone wrong, call me and I'll help you. But just click the link. Take care of that. I'll check in with you in a couple of days and, we'll t- and I'll, I'll walk you through the rest of those links in the email to make sure there's nothing that needs to get done about those either. Right? And just that little bit, literally that helps signal somebody who's grieving and they it's enough to feel like I'm being taken care of. And it's like, Oh, okay. Somebody else is like dealing with the administrivia of, of that set of documents and just telling me which one I need to go do. I can go do that. I can go click one link that I've been directed to and take 20. Like I can, I can operate inside that box. That's a lot easier. Uh, and so taking a moment to make that call and, and reframing things to make them smaller, more manageable, to let me know that, hey, you're paying attention and it's, you know, and there is a deadline, but you're watching the deadline for me and you're going to check in with me again before I, I miss a, a, a big deadline. That's all the, that's doable. And, you know, for some, and for me at least, that's really all I would need to go, oh, company's looking out for me. Thank you. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, that's easy. I say it's easy, right? Like, you need to remember that to do it, but it's easy enough for anyone to follow. It's not overly complicated. And it, it's really just no, a recognition of you what? Yeah, it's a, it's a workflow. Exactly. I'm telling you, workflows, it's your answer to everything fab, fabulous in life. But <laughs> um, <laughs> at least, you well, know, and, for me. And there's, yeah. Yeah. So, so we have, so we're, we're actually, we're chipping away. There's something else I want to share, but we're chipping away at this, Crystal. I, you know, I, that, when you said workflow yesterday, uh, I was like, that's a good idea. It's a little, it feels a little cold, but I see where she's going. And as we're diving into it today, I'm like, actually, this is, this, this is brilliant. Um, right, so we've got, we've got check-ins, doing a standalone check-in, working as a team, scheduling the check-ins, uh, and then, you know, having some kind of Google Doc or, or some kind of text thread. We're just you sharing key information so that, you know, that you're working as a team. Um, we have that. 
we have the the uh, you know sharing of so, the resources, but then also the email yeah, to, to call the follow-up. Just one sec before you move on to that one. Um, so when you talk about sharing information, this is where we throw in like collaboration tools were made for this. Like just made for it, right? <laughs> so when you look at yeah, you can do a Google Doc, but come on, you've got Teams or Basecamp yeah, or Slack, yeah, Slack yeah, or yeah. something like it is totally okay to make a, you know, care for Jason or insert your employee name here, Slack channel where you just kind of keep up with all of this stuff because it also provides an easy reference back, right? So when you talk about those check-ins, like you may not remember the conversation, like enough of the conversation from a week ago or two weeks ago. So you can go check that Slack channel and kind of see like what's been the running, you know, <laughs> like what's been going on to go like, oh yeah, right. Last time we talked about this, here were the issues that, that he was having. Let me check back in on that because, you know, yeah, your employee may, like the person that you're talking to, your peer, your team member, whoever may recognize that you're getting that information off the Slack channel. They probably don't care. <laughs> you know? like, no, so no, I, just, right. Like that's it. Yeah. And look, and if they do, then you kill the channel, whatever, you know, like it's, it, but it, I mean, <laughs> I think about that, like, and I, there were some people who I figured out, um, were talking to one another and, um, it was, I mean, and now they handled it with tact. It's not like, it wasn't like a creepy thing where I walked into a conversation with one person and they were just like, um, you know, like new things, they would, they would reference how they knew it, um, uh, and, you know, it, it was nice. It was, it was comforting. It, it let me know that there was a safety net, that people were thinking about me. And um, uh, it, it just, it's a little thing, but it makes such a huge difference. Yeah, I think when you set that up, like in the front end, I think it's okay to tell anyone that you're doing this. Whether it's a new baby or someone's grieving, like the, the workflow is really not all that different. So, um, yeah. I think it's fine to tell them up front, like, hey, we're all going to band together and we'll be talking to just make sure that you're cared for. Like, what a warm feeling that is to know that there's a lot of people that are, you know, it may feel a little weird because you're the center of attention, right? But at the same time, like, there's a lot of people caring for you. So, again, going back to yesterday's grief as individual, everybody handles it a little bit differently. Like, there is a little bit of, like, check-in and make sure that this isn't a – uh, another thing that your employee is going to have to manage, right? Like it shouldn't be a burden for the person that, that is the recipient. But, um, yeah. but, you know, in general, I think that there are more people that will just be grateful that there are others that care about them, that they don't have to feel like, oh, I'm going to be letting these people down. Um, they understand what I'm going through and they've got me. Okay, I don't have to worry about this right now. I can go deal with something else, right? And there's, I think you probably are much better to speak about that. Cause like I said, I've, I've been fortunate to not have to deal with, you know, death in my immediate family. It's, uh, it's been my grandparents and, and friends that have died throughout yeah. the years. But, um, and that's difficult, but it's different. Right. And so, you know, I think recognizing that communication and collaboration tools can be a way to manage this is good but then you had something else that you wanted to say. So, so yes, we've tackled those things and what else? Yeah. And well, those are, those are great. Um, I, I just want to, I'm, I'm the person who doesn't like being talked about, but when this hit me, it, it, it changed everything. Like I knew I needed help. 
and so I think you're I think you're dead on, and it, this is it's really um, uh, it's, uh, it, it's 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 great. It's nice. And and by the way, if you have multiple people dealing with grief at the same time, it's okay, right? <laughs> like it it's um it still works. Uh, yeah. the, the other thing that I was, I was going to share uh, that I think is important for companies to recognize is that top-down nature of things, that there are, there are some things, you know, there might be legal reasons why you don't want a manager uh, in a group like that or on a thread like that. Uh, you know, there, there may be things that somebody uh, it would be uncomfortable sharing with the individual who has the power to hire or fire them, right? Um, so managers and, and company leadership need to be, uh, they need to come from a different place. And uh, clearly management training on handling grief, that this needs to be a thing. Like, you know, there, there are some wonderful um, uh, consultants. Um, there's a woman named Lisa out of Indianapolis who does empathy training. Like it, it matters. It, it helps. So, that's something that, that HR should consider. Um, but with HR in particular, you got to think about what the, what the company culture is. And if your company culture is we're a phenomenal place to work and we love our people, then leadership better show up, you know. And, and by leadership, I mean like the head of HR or the head of culture or the CEO. Like somebody from up on high needs to make a phone call and say, hey, we heard what's going on. The family's behind you. The company's behind you. We're behind you. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be much, but if you're telling me that you have this phenomenal place to work and, uh, and I don't hear from the top of the company, uh, then, okay, well, maybe my team is a great place to work, but I'm certainly not feeling connected to the company at that moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, right, and, and if the company doesn't pride itself on that, and that's fine, but then HR should do it. And then HR, like somebody from HR who um, who matters, who's not, you know, literally anybody could do it, but this is one where the title makes a difference. The highest person that HR can get to make that call should make that call. Yeah. I, I agree with that completely. And, you know, I've been on, quote, unquote, the outside of companies as a, um, an agency owner for years and uh, or working with another agency back in the day when I worked for you. And, um, you know, there was, uh, there's a difference, right? Like there's a difference in, in um, big companies and small companies for sure. But I will never forget when my grandmother died, like I said, I was on location and I can tell you, I was working with um, the Ducks, the Rinks organization. Um, and so we were, uh, doing videos and interviews of like their employees on the ice rink. It was cool. And, and I was shattered. <laughs> and so the, um, mm-hmm. and it's, you got to try to like figure out how to, cause again, I was at work. So like how to make that work. And um, Esther there, she's, you know, helped run. She wasn't the head of HR, but she was right underneath the head of HR. Like just looked at me and was like, go, just go. Like, you don't need to be here. We've got this. And, and it's okay. Like go, go, go be puddles. You know, and, and that was so good to get that because I think the one thing that I will say is like when you are on your own or you're in a small company that's working with larger companies like your consulting or agency, like it, it's almost like you don't feel like you have the right to 
have a life, like to grieve, to celebrate, to be off work, to all of those things, right? And so when you look at grieving, yeah. you know, it just gets completely missed. And so, you know, I, I would say for those of you that work with contractors, for those of you that um, work with small people and with agencies and things like that, be an Esther, because like that was that was everything. And she followed up with me like the next week. How are you feeling? I didn't want to bother you. I wanted to give you some time. Like, are you doing okay? And it, everything that you've recommended, she did. And it was so appreciated. Yeah, that's remarkable. You know, it, I, hope, I hope that one of the things that comes out of, of post-pandemic return to work is that we go back to work with a little bit more slack in the line. You, know, yeah. you talked about feeling like you don't have the right to uh, – you know, to take a, a break or to grieve, we just, we all run so hard, so fast. You know, how many times have you joked with somebody, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go have dinner, and then, you know, second shift starts. <laughs> you know, um, that's, that's part of the problem. You know, it's part of the reason why we're, we're having this conversation is because you can't properly care for yourself or others when every waking moment is taking up with, with work. And, um, yeah. I remember years ago, uh, I had a, a group of attorneys uh, that I was working with, and they were they were complaining that you know they're they can't ever get their job done because they're constantly you know doing business development. I'm like, guys, you're partners. Your job is to figure out how to do your job, given the fact that you're going to be on the phone, you know, all day. And you know, it, it's true, and there are certain jobs where that is the job. But for most of us. Um, you know, and, and if HR is listening, like, there's really, there's no way around this other than to dial it back a little bit and, and you know, protect people from themselves, from their own, uh, you know, desire to just do more and more and more. Like, we, we need to, uh, we've tried that and we've kind of hit the limit of, of what happens when you have everybody be, you know, just one-dimensional, all about work all the time. And really, it's time to bring back, you know, more of a well-rounded person. Um, yeah. And to know that we're full people here at the office. There. Yeah, I'm going to pause yeah. you there because I think there's, you said something there. If it were truly their desire to do more, I think that would be one thing. I don't know that it's desire as much as, like, a lot of what happens at work is driven by fear. And when we look at, right. uh, you know, when we look at it, like, I need to do more. There's an expectation to do more. Um, sometimes it's even spoken expectation, not just assumed expectations. And so, like, I do think from an HR perspective, like, yes, we can't talk about caring about well-being at work without then providing, like, the actions to go along with the words so that we're truly creating psychological safety. And psychological safety is making sure an individual employee feels like they have the ability to speak up speak up in this instance, in this context of this call, of this show, is I'm not okay. That's the basis for your employee assistance group. Like the, the employee assistance program, like this is the basis for it, is to make sure that there's room and space for someone to say, like, I'm drowning. I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not okay. Like my life blew up even if it's a little part of my life, like that part of my life blew up and I'm not okay. And so when you do that, when you give them space to be able to say that and you make it okay because you're working with their managers and your manager's managers and so on and so forth to allow for that, then your benefits that you've created get used. 
right? So when we, were, we did this thing, God, it was like a year or two ago, we're talking about um, utilized benefits. And the employee assistance program is one of the least utilized benefits in companies. And I think part of that is because we do not create the psychological safety required to be able to use it. There's a vulnerability associated with being able to say, I'm not okay. And that you is know, something. I want to reframe that. You know, I, I think you're dead right. I think you're, I shouldn't say that. Right? That was awful. Oh. God, what is, what is wrong with me? <laughs> um, Nothing. <laughs> uh, I, think, <laughs> I think you're exactly right, but I, I want to reframe that just a little bit. Sure. And, uh, I want, to, I want to shift the onus from the individual to the company. It's not yeah. that the person – there's something wrong with all of us, right? I mean, come on. We all need to sleep. I need to sleep. I'm so sorry, company. I have to go home and go to bed, right? Like my, my body will shut down in 72 hours if I don't get a little sleep. I shouldn't feel broken for that. In fact, what I would say is there's something wrong with your company. There's something – you're kind of cheating. You're, you're, not, you're not operating – sustainably if your employees feel like they can, they, that they have to be something less than fully human in order for the company to, to succeed. If your company's success requires that I work, you know, unhealthily and forego things that are good for myself as standard operating procedure, there's something wrong with the company. And, um, you know, and I think that that shift of of, of responsibility really changes uh, it changes things it, it, because if you want people to feel psychologically safe, you have to make them feel psychologically safe. And the the best thing that you can do to do that is take responsibility for whatever's wrong. You take responsibility for what's wrong. It's easier for me to come to you and say I need help. You know, if 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 I have responsibility for what's wrong, eh, then I have I've got. Um, um, my my motives are mixed, you know, then I have to think about what am I signaling by asking for help. And so I think what you're talking about in terms of creating psychological safety is exactly right. And giving people the ability, flexibility to say, yo, hands raised, need help, that's also right. But in order to do that, the company's got to say, there's nothing wrong with you. Like you will have grief, you will have stress, you will you know how I know that? Because you're a human being, and that's a universal human experience. So when that happens, you come and we'll talk about it. Yeah, and I think that even, too, like getting there before it happens is important. So I look at, like, I don't know if you saw this or not. Bumble um, is a fascinating company to me but in the way that it's run and it's managed. And they um, they just told everybody that like their entire company is going out for a week. Because the leader has recognized that, hey, we've lost center. <laughs> they need to go and do things that are not work and then come back so they can be a little more productive. And it's tangentially related, but there's something to, like, don't wait until your employees are broken. Like, you know, it, it, there are a lot of, of traumatic events and grief and loss in life that's unplanned. And you can't, like, obviously you can't have ESP and say, like, I think this horrible thing is going to happen. Give us your time. But more often what we see is there's a slow march towards loss. And, and so as that's happening, like that ongoing, that ongoing march is, is, gosh, it's so draining, right? It's so difficult. And so being able to look at an employee and say like, okay, you're dealing with 
you know, an aging parent that are, you know, you have a family member in hospice or so-and-so's in the ICU, it's probably not the time to ask them for that critical project update or whatever, right? Like, hopefully there's, there's systems built into your organization where they can, they can do some working, but it is the time to, or not they can do some working where you can find what they've been working on. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but you can, I think, say like, we see this is happening, stop. Like, there's no one person in this company that is so big that the company is going to fall apart if they're not there for a day, a week, shoot, probably even a month. Europe shows us that like all the time. So, <laughs> you know, life goes yeah. on. Well, yeah. the company. True. Um, it, for sure. Look, look, at the end of the day, all the stuff we're talking about boils down to something really, really simple. It boils down to seeing people. That's it. Yeah. We, we all want to be seen. And when we're grieving, the best thing that can happen to us is other people bear witness. It's, it's that simple. You know, it's, um, it's the Bill Withers song, right? Like, I can't carry this load alone. So, you know, I need, I need others to lean, to lean on. But all that's required, you don't have to feel my pain. You don't have to go through my nightmare. All you have to do is see me. And from the perspective of the person who's grieving, being seen, it's like you're taking some of it without actually taking it. It, it lightens the load a little bit. So if I get 100 people and they're all witnessing me and they're all like, I see you, and I'm going to do like something really small here. I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you it sucks. I'm going to tell you not to worry about this. I'm going to say, focus on the first thing in the email. and I'll check in with you next week about the next thing. In the, whatever it is, every one of those things helps, and they add up to tremendous support if, uh, you know, if they're all done in, in concert. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it would be wonderful uh, if companies had that approach and just recognized, look, we have humans. And you know what, Chris, like people are demanding it. You know, there are more enlightened leaders now who are like, yep, we're going to take a few weeks off. We're going to shut down. But like, people are opting out of the workforce. Literally, they're like, not worth it. <laughs> right? Like, we're done. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of what we're seeing with work from home and hybrid work, it's, it's people truly, it's a referendum on the way that we've been working for the last couple of decades. And it's people saying, yeah, we're done with this. Forget it. Yeah. I, I, I'd rather be. make less money. Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. You know, and I think that when we see that in the organizations, we'll see that too um, spread out into the consulting and small business world. Um, but I want to make sure we've got about 11 minutes left. And I want to make sure that we hit on a couple of things that are a little more tactical um, that, that, that fit into the, the larger conversation that we've been having. So some of that is, is like, how do you have these conversations, right? So I will be the first to tell you, I am so awkward with grief. And I think we talked about that yesterday. Like, I'm so awkward with it. I don't know what to say. And a lot of it is, is recognizing there's no right thing to say. Like, there's nothing that you're going to say that's going to magically make it better for someone. So American Hospice has a uh, guide on grief that, that I thought was interesting. I don't agree with all of it. Um, you probably won't agree with all of it. Like, we'll take what you can that's out of it and, and move on. But so the under the how I can help session, like, for talking with team members, employees, 
Start with acknowledging loss and grief. Don't wait until the right thing to say comes to you. There's no right thing. So the wrong thing is to say nothing, which I feel like is what you've you've talked about yesterday and and some today. Like, you just got to say stuff. But when you do say stuff, like, personalize it. So when we talk about how important team members are and our team is like a family, like, it's great to say things like, we've talked about how much our families mean to us. I am so sorry about a death. You know, shared feelings communicate more than good advice. And so like, I read that and I was like, oh, that's, that's speaking to me because I'm the advice person. I want to say like, oh, do this, this, and this. I don't know, man. Yeah. You know? So, so share oh, I agree feelings. with that. Now, so far, I agree. Wait, definitely don't wait. Um, you, can, you can start the sentence with, this is awkward for me, or I don't know what to say. That's fine. Not a problem. And, uh, and yeah, the one thing that I just want to, I want to share is when it says relate, um, it, there's a fine line between relating and hijacking. So, you know, it's, it's right. If you go in, you're like, I'm so sorry. I just lost my grandmother and I know how hard it is. Like you just hijack. Right. Um, But if you go in, you're like, I'm so sorry. Like I, like I'm, I'm dealing with something similar. (laughs) So I can appreciate, you know, that, I don't know your journey, but uh, boy, I'm just, I'm really sorry. And like, I wish I could be there more for you, but I got my own thing going on. That's, that's more on the relate. And everybody's different. It's individual. So, you know, yeah. I'm saying I wouldn't find that hijacking somebody else might, but you, like, it went in doubt. Don't, don't share what you're actually going through. Just more like, Hey, I know how important family is. This must be awful. It's so interesting that you said that because the third thing was avoid comparison because the point that they were making was like, yeah. you know what you feel. You don't know what the other person feels, which is kind of the point of having the conversation. It's, it's, it's like, you know, I can imagine how hard this is, you know, but how are you doing? Like you don't need to compare with your personal experience. Um, so, so you're right on there. And you also mentioned something that they, they brought up, which I'm kind of like, eh, but it makes sense. Set limits. So if you're uncomfortable, it's okay to say, like, what you're saying is so important. I may not be the right person to hear it. Let me find you a better listener. I don't, I don't agree with that part of it because it really feels like I don't want to hear your crap. <laughs> but, but. Oh, actually, I, I do. I, okay. So I will tell you, yeah, from um, – so there were a couple people – uh, I, I, you know, I mentioned yesterday I had a friend who went AWOL on me after uh, after I lost Al, and I understood. Like he he still hadn't processed, you know, grief that he had gone through. Um, you know, it would have been great. Like had he had the the self awareness to be like, dude, it's just triggering. <laughs> I can't deal. It would have been fine. Um, would have been totally honest, and uh, I wouldn't have had that. You know, that that uh, that moment a few weeks in where I'm like, huh, where would he go? Oh, yeah, okay, right. It just, I just would have known. But more importantly, there was somebody I worked with, um, you know, in, my, in, the, in the power structure who was above me in the organization. That person had a problem. And, boy, it would have been nice for them to go, this isn't my forte. Like, I just – I need you to know I'm thinking about you. I know you're going through it. Hand, like, handling this is just not my strength. That would have gone a million miles because without that – I have to assume that they're actually, that they're getting counsel, that they're doing what they think is right, and that all the things that I'm seeing, like, they're representing the company. So if they don't put the caveat that, like, hey, (laughs) this is their their sweet spot, then 
all the stuff that the company says about being a great place to work goes to hell because the representative that I'm dealing with is not good, is not creating a great place to work. But had that person bowed out and said, this is awful, I would no longer have looked to that person as the representative of the company. I would have looked to others. And then, and then the truth would have been, hey, it's a great place to work. Part yeah. of that is knowing when to say what. So um, it, it sounds awkward, um, but I, my experience, like, holy crap, yes. If you're not okay. good at it, just say, like, I'm probably not the best person for this. I'm doing what I can. So that's, that's fantastic to know. And I, I think that leads into the next thing, which is actually the previous thing on their list. Um, expect to hear the story told over and over again. Telling stories is how we learn, but it's also how we process information. So, you know, if the time isn't right for you to hear that story again, it's okay to say, like, you know, hey, I'm sorry, I can't talk with you about this right now. Let's talk about this later and, and be specific. So let's talk about this over coffee this afternoon or, you know what, after work, why don't we go grab a drink and you can tell me about it or whatever it is, you know. I'm not, I'm not recommending anyone drink, yes. but whatever. So, yes. not as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, that the very first thing we talked about, right, the, the check-in, here's a wonderful check-in. Uh, I'm so sorry. I would love to know something about the person you lost. Yeah. Can you talk for 15 minutes at 3 o'clock? I'd love to hear your favorite story. Yeah, I, I think that's beautiful. There's also some balancing that they recommend between compassion and responsibilities. And the first is respect privacy. So you're going to be hearing mm -hmm. some privileged and personal information. And, and not all of it should be repeated. So even if you're doing the check-ins, like with the group and the team, like use some discernment around what feels personal. Like, so stories that they're relating, yes. that probably doesn't need to be repeated. I'm having problems with my insurance. Like, that's something that you can share. So balance those two things out and make sure that you're sharing the right kinds of information and honor the closed door and quiet moment stories that they're telling you. Agreed. Um, expect tears. So like the rest of grieving, like it's a part of hearing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I think that's yeah. another thing where America in particular has done a very poor job of saying it's okay for men to cry. Um, and so you know. hardest thing, hardest thing that I did, um, um, the single, well, <laughs> there were, there were plenty of hard things. Um, one of the hardest things I did, I was with my family. I was with my own family. I've got a really tight family. Um, very close with my sisters. They both flew in. I was at my parents' house. So I had my parents and my sisters, Lisa's there, right? Like my tribe is there and I felt overwhelmed. I went, uh, I went into the basement and, uh, you know, just kind of lost it. And I'm like, wait a second. My whole family is upstairs. I just excused myself from dinner. I just left all the people who love me, and I just isolated myself in the basement. Like, they're here to be with me. <laughs> what am I doing? And, and, I mean, my legs weighed like 4,000 pounds each. I mean, I, I marched back upstairs, and I forced myself to allow myself to lose it in the company of – the people who love me most on earth. And that was so hard. So, um, so yes, expect tears um, and expect that person to not just be, but though they might be humiliated that they're losing in front of you. Like I was, I felt, I don't know, it wasn't quite humiliation, but I don't know what it was. It was hard 
to do that in front of the people I love the most. You can imagine what's going through my mind if I start losing it in front of a colleague or somebody I, I just work with. Um, yeah. You know, so expect tears, but expect weird emotions. Expect shame. Expect humiliation. Expect uncertainty, insecurity. Like just, uh, you got like make it safe. You're gonna see some weird stuff. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. So we've got about two minutes left in today's show. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to see what fun little quirk happens in tomorrow's show. Um, but uh, but I'm so grateful for you. Um, coming on and talking with us about what, what is a difficult topic, but hopefully we can make it a little less so. Tomorrow's show, we'll be talking about more about collaborate, collaboration tools that we discussed in today's show and how they can be utilized, as well as the impact of social media and how that impacts um, the individual from a psychological perspective and an experience perspective, but also how it can impact your team dynamics at work. So, Jason, thank you again so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. You have a safe flight, and, uh, and we'll see you again tomorrow. That sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye.